0: Welcome to the Nun County Podcast, which is brought to you in association with our digital partner, Zion Energy, the leading blockchain software and digitalization experts leading the field in emerging technologies related to oil and gas tokenization. For more, go to zion.com. The final part of Episode 4 with Davey McRae sees Davy tell Glenn McLeod about what broke the ice back in the changing room the day he and his teammate Scott Kerracher were both sent off for fighting with each other. His pride at representing Scotland and the semi-pro Home Nations Tournament. Moving on to Bucky Thistle and completing the clean sweep of all medals available to Highland League players. And he brings us up to speed with what he's up to now in his new life down in Orsela. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Davy reflect on his career on this episode of the Nern County Podcast, and if you have, why not like, share, or recommend it to a friend? All other episodes are all available on Podbean, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. But for one last time, it's over to Davy and Graham as they pick up with Davy's on field scrap with his good friend and Nern County teammate, Scotty Kellicker.
1: So you come back up and it's the start of the following season. Quite a daunting match, uh, opening day, away to Devonville, who are the reigning champions. We'll go 2-0 down, but we fight back. Uh, You score one of the goals, we get back to 2-2 just after half time, And you think, you know, we could maybe go on and get a point here or or even win the game. Unfortunately, at the other end, the roof caves in a little bit and we concede three goals in in about a 10-minute spell. And then, well, I'll let you maybe fill us in with what happened after that.
2: (laughs) Yeah so um it's funny i actually when i had a chat to you about um, the podcast and everything else uh, i went back and listened to carl donaldson's one and he was saying how kel and i were probably the least two guys in a team that would be fighters and he's not far from the truth i tell you like ugh, i think everyone knows the story from my point of view we've just got back into the game i remember we got a free kick and we were right up the right hand side and I, I touched on it earlier devon Vale used to get spunked by them i don't know what it was about them they used to just come up like harmless. Good side, don't get me wrong, but we just used to fall pieces against them. And I thought, you know what, we've got right back in this game here and we've got a chance. We're playing the champions, it's flag day. They basically disrespected us in the warm-up and everything else. They basically took up half the pitch with photos and all. I was like, I, I was I was delighted we got back in the game. I was right up for giving them a get this up you sort of thing. And um, we got a free kick. And I remember Kells over the free kick on the our right-hand side. And I'm pretty sure he was playing sweeper at the time. So I don't yeah. know what the hell he was doing up there. But instead of whipping it in the box, where we've got like Brooksy and Bobo and all these boys ready to attack the ball, plays a short one, I think it was to Willie Barron. It's a short pass, gets cut out, way up the park they go and they score. So just before kick-off again, I was like, Kel, put the ball in the box. What the hell are you doing? And I remember him saying, I gave it short, I gave it short. It wasn't me that lost the ball. And I just remember shouting back, put it in the box, just put it in the box. for Free kick, look at the boys we've got. And at this stage, we were sort of head to head. And then after that, like, it's funny because, like, going back to uh, my family's shinty days, my my dad and my uncle have got like a real hot head streak about them that I've never really had ever. And I think that's the one and only time that I've ever had a, a hot head streak where I just thought we were going to fight here. And I've just lashed out, obviously, and like you say, the rest is sort of history. But the funny thing about the whole thing was, like I said earlier, Kel, Johnny Seaton and Tess had taking me under their wing when I first signed so I was very good friends with Kel and that's probably why we were arguing and fighting I remember going in and out Browsey sort of was the I don't think he was playing that game and he was the one that sort of pulled me in afterwards and pulled me into our change room and I think Kel got put into the the home dressing room just to split us up so we've obviously both seen red and got red cards and needs to be split up in case we started going at it again which was never going to happen because we're a couple Bunch of wimps anyway, but I remember just taking my gate off and I, I jump in the shower and all I hear is this um, the door flying open and it like slams open. And in comes Kel with whoever was with him. I think it, I can't remember who it was, but I remember Bryce, he was in the changing room anyway. And then he comes and he's like, McCray, where the fuck are you sort of thing. Come on then, if you still want to go, come on. And I remember he, it was at that time where all the players started wearing those underarmours you know the tight Under shirt. So at this stage, he had a shirt on. I'm, you, I don't know if you've been in the change room at Princess Royal, but from the shower, you can see right down. There's like a sort of corridor to where you get changed, and um, I'm looking down corridor and I'm seeing Scotty kell there trying to get the Under Armour off. And obviously, didn't have the greatest of physique at the time. He couldn't get the thing off. It was that skin tight. He was struggling to get. off I was like, "Come on, McCray, come on." And there was four of us there, and we all just started pissing ourselves laughing because the stupid fucker can get off his over his head. <laughs> so uh, it just sort of broke the ice, and I think I've, like honestly, we were sitting down like two minutes there laughing about. It. I know we shouldn't be laughing about, it, but it was one of those like, what the hell are we doing? Do you know what I mean? Just like for a moment of madness. Now we're going to get pumped, and probably going to get fined. We're not going to play for weeks, and yeah what the hell do we do now sort of thing. But yeah. the, the one thing that was sort of like, a, not a shine of light, but sort of reassurance to me after the game was um, Big Charlie had just signed, if you remember. And I remember him being up, you know Big Charlie loves a beer and we're on the bus on the way home. and <laughs> It's another funny story, actually. Kel actually was going to a wedding that night so on the bus home, he was fitted out in the full kilt. And I remember he went into the wedding after the thing and they'd heard that he was fighting. I think it was on like Sky Sports and all this sort of stuff. Two idiots fighting in the park. He actually got a, the big round of applause and a cheer when he welcomed the, the wedding reception that night, he was telling us. So that was another funny bit. But anyway, back to Charlie. He and, he was telling us up at the back of the bus that Leia's come up to him and goes, oh, I'm really sorry, I'm really sorry. This isn't what normally happens. This is a disgrace, this shouldn't happen sort of thing. And Charlie's like, what are you talking about? Those two boys are showing that they care. I'm like, oh, I think that's great. So, for me, that was really reassuring. I wasn't sure what sort of backlash I'd get from it because there's nothing worse than going down to 10 men. Like, we, we used to go down to 10 men and nine men a lot, if you remember back. Mm. Like, we'd be getting spanked four or five nil, no, and then all of a sudden we'd be down to nine men. And I'm like, this is bullshit. you know what I mean? You're busting your balls and you're down to nine men. So, in the back of my mind, I was thinking back at all those times where I was trying to bust my balls when we were down to 10 men and thinking, oh, i have let the boys down. And then Shally's coming and said that and patted me on the back and says, don't worry. it'll be all right and that sort of helped me out I think but like I say because we're good close friends at the time and I think that helped so uh, again back to normal Tuesday night in Buckingham basically we were the the brunt of all the jokes.
1: Later on that season we get to the final of the North of Scotland Cup in our defence of the trophy it was a really tough run to the final against Scottish league teams all the way there we beat Elgin away we beat Cali away and we lost to Ross County on the day in the final Did they just have a bit too much for us in that day.
2: Yeah, if I remember back it was again, it was just fitness, sharpness. Like we, we were positive going into the game and I think after having the taste of the, the win the previous sort of year or when we beat Forest that time, we kinda had that sense of being there done that sort of thing. So I think it wasn't that underdog tag not knowing what to expect. So if I remember I was quite confident going into the game, but on the day they just had they had some good quality in their team, if I remember right. Um and just sharpness and fitness i think and won the game for them rather than anything else it was just too much like i say just had more quality and with a better side that day
1: you made the scotland semi-pro team that season before we talk about the tournament itself can you tell us how the selection process worked for that
2: i think i'd been selected for the north select trials the year before and even possibly the year before if i don't remember right but I always felt you had to do better than the Aberdeenshire boys to get anywhere in this. I always felt there was a bias towards them, but then again, they were the teams that were winning, they were the teams that were doing well, so that's maybe comes hand in hand. I always felt you have to go and do well in this trial, otherwise you're not going to get looking. I remember, right, the trial was up for us. I thought, well, I'm just going to go out here and try and express myself, do what I do, and try and not make a name for myself, but actually show that I can actually play in this side. And I remember doing well in it, and I think it was... Um, What's his name? Duncan from Fraserburgh. Charlie. Also, Charlie, yeah, that's one. Charlie was picking the side at the time. And I remember him after the game saying, um, how oh, well played dude. and because I I got on really well with Charlie. I like I didn't really know him. He, he would always come up and speak to me. Even after Fraserburgh games so when I was at Nairn. and he was always a decent guy and chatted to you, chatted away. And I remember coming up after that game at Forest and said, Oh, um, how oh, well played, mate, you did really well and uh you really Try to go out and show because I know the, the actual Scotland selectors know you can play but feel you don't do enough and I don't know if that was his way of saying right you've done well here and now go down in the, the next stage and actually get in the squad or I don't really know how his management style was but I just remember that conversation and thinking hey what the hell are you doing and, you know, I thought I did well out there and I don't know if I've got much more that I can give so I remember going down to um we played at Easter Road um, and it was basically north through south, and uh, select again. And I remember again busting my balls in the first half because I was desperate to get on that team. So I remember the season before, um, Craig McMillan and I think Louis McKinnon had made the side and I hadn't. And I was like, they've made the team and I haven't, so I want to get in this year sort of thing. And I knew it was going to be up in Dingle as well, so I thought extra, bit extra to try and actually get in the side. So that um, trial match that you showed again, I felt like I did well in the first half, and like, I always felt on a good, good surface that I. Could play well. I was quite confident in myself. myself on a good surface. It was nice. The, the, I remember the season before we went out, you know, hearts, I went down to Hearts. I felt, felt confident, but I just didn't feel myself that day. Whereas this Hib, Hibs, not Hibs game, Easter Road game against the, the South boys, I just felt, you know what, I feel good today. I'm going to go out and do well. I remember going in at half time and Charlie pulled me aside again and saying, oh, like I said to you just after the Forest game, the guys upstairs just don't think you've got enough. And I was like, it's just. Is in the wind-up or is he just trying to get the best out of me? I, I I don't know if that was just his management style, but I went out and I, didn't, I don't think I played that well the second half, because I was probably thinking too much about what he told me. But yeah, I made the side and I was delighted to actually get in that Scotland side because that was quite a big thing for me at the time.
1: Yeah, so the tournament comes round. Um, you mentioned there, it used to be unfortunately it's not on the go anymore but it used to be the it was like a home nations tournament scotland england wales ireland and it rotated around the the different countries when you made the squad it was in scotland and not only was it in scotland it was it was local to us the games were in i think dingwall and, and there was a couple maybe in brora as well yeah. what's uh, what's your memories of the tournament then i remember the week
2: leading up to i think we had a week and um you basically lived like a professional footballer on the road and that was great and I remember um, we were in the Kings Kingsmills Hotel in Inverness, and I just remember, like, who was a room? I was rooming with Donny Monroe. I'd never met Donny before, but we actually hit it off pretty well and had a laugh in the room. But... Um, I just remember we used to get fed, honestly, like three or four meals a day. And I just felt like I've never had so much food in all my life. I can, you know, me, I can eat. But like that, that week, I just felt like I was eating loaves of toast a day. Like me and Brems, like Ross Bremner, that was the, he was playing for Huntley at the time. We'd be sitting there at breakfast and we're like challenging each another, and see how many pieces of toast we could eat and stuff because we'd we'd go out in the morning We'd have our breakfast, and then we go out and train. Come back, have lunch, and then go back out and train again. So we were sort of in that real professional environment. You know, it kind of gave me that taste again to try and push on and actually make make the grade again. Like I kind of really enjoyed it and good experience. But the games themselves, um, the first one was against Wales, and I, I actually was a sub for the game. In the lead up to the games, we did a lot of set pieces and things, and everyone got their turn to take free kicks and. I don't know what came over me one day, but we're doing training and we're doing free kicks and I just couldn't miss for some reason. I don't know what, like I, I'm hopeless at free kicks, hopeless. Like I, I remember taking one at Cove and nearly hitting over that fence at the back of the goals. I never took one after that, but this one day in training, I'm hitting things in top corners that I've never done in my entire life. And Jim Fleeton's obviously noticed this. So in the first game against Wales, I'm on the bench, come off the bench and um Pretty sure we're we're either winning or drawing at the time. And anyway, a free kick comes on, and I'm I'm miles away from him. Like, Jim shouts on, "Hey, get on it!" I was like, "Really?" So I'm thinking he he's seen this one training session where I've hit some of the best shots of my life, and he thinks I can now take free kicks. So anyway, I step up, and a bit like penalty shootout, close my eyes and hit it. Hit it as hard as I can. Lo and behold, it hits the wall, square in the wall and bounces down to me again. I think, okay, I'll have another shot. So I'm running towards the ball and I'm going to hit it again. I think, if I hit, if I shoot here, I'm going to hit the wall again. So I try this little flick to try and get it over the wall to try and run around the other side. But the boy sees that mile off, blocks it, and then they're in the counter-attack, aren't they? So away they go, at the other end of the pitch, and I'm praying. I'm like, please don't score. Please don't score. And then this boy's cut inside, being wiped out by our left back, who, I don't know how he was in the squad, because he was terrible. But he's wiped out the boy penalty, and I think we drew 1-1, and I'm thinking, I've come on, I think it's my second touch I've had this free kick. Basically, just cost us a penalty. I'm like, I've never taken a free kick ever again in my life. So, <laughs> that was me for free kicks, I was done.
1: Um, so, that was Wales' the first game. Do you remember the the latter games in the tournament, like I like, said, the England game?
2: Yeah, so all our games were at um, Victoria Park. The second one, um, obviously, against England, I actually started that game. So, obviously, Jim didn't notice. That was my fault for the penalty. But, yeah, I actually played quite well for the first 20, 25 minutes. But, lo and behold, um, I remember, because they were a right good side, they were all full-time players, and they are picking the ball about for fun. And I remember going in, and I've tried to run in behind, and the defender's just, he's not done a shimmy or anything like that. He's just basically whipped the ball away from me. I've quickly tried to change direction and I've just tweaked my knee. It's just jarred, and I thought, oh no, I'm done. I thought, oh no, what's going on here? And I remember looking up, and it's funny, because I remember turning around and I see my mum, and I remember her sort of looking a bit worried because she obviously saw what happened to my knee, and I was thinking, she looks a lot more worried than my knee feels at this moment, so I wonder what actually she just saw. So I tried to carry on for a wee bit longer, but it had to be pulled, and then that was the end of my tournament, really.
1: Yeah, it comes to an end in there and your contract's up and you decide to move on, you go to Bucky Thistle. I take it it's playing under someone of the stature of Duncan Shearer and then the ambition that the club and the Duncans were showing at that point with them going on to achieve the success that they had that was the real big attraction there.
2: Before I actually signed for Bucky, um, leading into that international competition, the whole Ross County trial thing came up again, if you remember. Um, I think it was actually Les that sorted that out, in fairness to him. But it was George Adams and Derek Adams at the time. And I think they actually watched the England game and actually saw in that game to, to actually agree to let me come and train. So after that, I was actually meant to be going and training with them during that time obviously i'd strained my ligaments in my knee so that trial was never going to happen so i actually spoke to Dunk. like you say if like he was um pelly's number two when i first went full-time with cali so it was a no-brainer for me i thought um i know i i know what he's about louie mckinnon's there i knew tony Lord already part of me signed and i knew frani was signing so for me it was not getting the gang back together but it was kind of that feeling I mentioned earlier at that stage all the Aberdeenshire teams were the, the top teams in the league they were they were the ones winning all the silverware they were the ones top of the table so in my eyes the ambition of Bucky was basically look we're here to do stuff now we're here to win leagues so that attracted me straight away so going through there like for me like one of the main things I loved about Nairn was how we played in an absolute bowling green every week going to Bucky I was thinking how am I going to adjust to this? This, this, this is like a tatty field through here. But it, it, it suited us and it helped us, I think. But now nah, I think the whole attraction was basically Dunk because I knew what he was about. He lived in Inverness and I felt that he would always sort of, again, local boys not feeling like they're looked after, but the Bucky boys always said that the Inverness boys were looked after more and it was the same sort of feeling in there. And so I always felt Dunk's there. He'll look after us sort of thing and we'll be all right and it'll be fun and it'll be good. Like you mentioned, though, the main attraction was winning trophies. Money wasn't even a factor. Um, a lot of people say the money a Bucky was thrown about at the time was probably a lot more than any other club, but in a lot of cases, it possibly was true. But I think we've had this discussion before. I feel like I probably could have got a lot more in it now than I, I would have got a Bucky. So actually, <laughs> Mark McDonald <laughs> had a funny story. He, he phoned me up one time and goes, oh, um, It was June that summer. He's like, oh, Davey, I've had Peter speaking to me. I saw him in town today and he's he's promised me he'll double my my wages if you, you sign for an errand. I was like, get lost. He will not." He's on the wind-up. And he's like, nah, serious, serious. So just sign so I can double my wages. I was like, get lost.
1: Did you have any other options at all? I think Robbie Williamson was at Elgin by that point. I think was there not a bit of interest there as well?
2: Yeah, there was. But... Um... He definitely, I don't know if he ever, okay, maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but I do recall a phone call and obviously touching base. He obviously saw a story in the the paper because I remember um kind of got stitched up a little bit because obviously being local to Inverness and the Inverness Courier and all that were all over the competition. They they wanted a local guy to do a report on basically like a summary of the competition to sort of give it a bit of promotion. So Hmm. and I remember them asking what I was doing and where I was going and I didn't really know what I was doing or going at the time, but I remember the headline came out saying something silly like McRae leaving Nairn or something. I was like, Holy crap I never said that but I remember I missed me a couple of days after that I got a phone call from Robbie and um, he was just touching base and basically saying oh okay I'm I'm interested I'll, I'll see what I can do I'll speak to now so um, nothing really came of that I think um, at the time the Bosman ruling had that under 23 yeah. ruling or whatever it was and I think Elgin didn't have any money to yeah. actually pay a transfer fee or pay whatever comp was and they were scared to actually go into the tribunal whereas they were happy to pay whatever was needed and in the end I think they had to pay a decent amount which hopefully I repaid slightly but you
1: know (laughs) So at Bucky Duncan Shearer starts winning some silverware you win a couple of Aberdeenshire trophies doesn't quite happen in the league uh, under Duncan Shearer in terms of winning the championship Greg Carroll then comes in and you win the league twice back to back did he just raise the standards about the place?
2: Uh, I don't know if it was standards. I think um, we were pretty close with Dunk. And I think given time, I think Dunk would have got, you never know. For me, Dunk probably would have got similar results. I think um, Greg bought players that were going to win football matches. Like your Moby's, your Robbie Brown's, all these type of players. Real Highland League winners. Do you know what I mean? It it, it just took us to that next level. And I think, um, I remember thinking back that, it was one of those, we didn't really like him that much, but knew, had respect for him because we knew that he he was doing it for the good of the team and doing it for the good to win football matches. All he wanted to do was win football matches. And as actually saw it got results. Yeah, so can't complain with his record. You know what I mean? So away from football, he was a decent guy but then it was one of those switch on switch off when you were there he was he was the boss He his way of the highway sort of thing and he kind of got on with it so like I say it got results and on him got quite successful from it
1: You rounded off your trophy winning times with Bucky with the Highland League Cup and so having won both Aberdeenshire trophies in the league already in your time at Bucky the North of Scotland Cup with us and the Inverness Cup with Cali Thistle it meant you'd done the clean sweep of medals when you won that day was that a proud day for you? I think your daughter Eliana was born by then too
2: yeah she was yeah it's good looking back at these sort of memories and photos it seems like a lifetime away but it was only what five six years ago so yeah, six years ago maybe yeah i think that day was special on the way because we'd had such a tough season obviously going back to back winning titles in the Hind league is hard enough as it is but to go and do it a third time is even possible i think and i just think we really really struggled that year so that cup run really sort of invigorated our season. And um at that stage i had been made captain through a Bucky. So actually scored in the final, was captain and like you say, completed the collection of medals. So, yeah, it was a special day and had a good good night out that night. So.
1: You then move on to Australia not long after that and did you get back into playing the game once you settled down over there?
2: Yeah, so my initial idea was um Louis McKinnon and Brian Gofillin who had played with at Cali on my younger days they um they'd actually come out to the same area that we live in now and played for the, the local side here called sunshine coast fire they're actually a queensland state league team so you can imagine the size of queensland's massive so a lot of the games you actually have to fly to to actually get to the game so that was new to me so when i came out here I, initially i couldn't sign for them due to um, visa requirements and stuff they had a ruling here which is actually good for the development the younger players where they can only have three non-residential players so so basically if you're on a sponsored visa you can't, that doesn't count, you have to actually be an Australian resident, so at that stage we weren't, um, so I couldn't play for them initially, so I went and actually played local league here for another side called Noosa, which was great Standard wasn't too great initially but um, as that, the years went by, I actually got an understanding and spoke to the coach now, and I'm good friends with the coach now, who has gone on and done really well but um, he actually got a decent team playing decent football in the park, so that was good but after that, like I say, I actually went back and played for the Sunshine Coast Fire for about eight months and did a bit of traveling. With that I actually flew to a couple of games up in Cairns and Townsville which is about a three-hour flight and five-hour flight up north so it was just a completely different type of environment really. I actually played against believe it or not um, Kevy Fraser who's at Bucky Thistle 9 when he was out here. But nah, football wise I actually went back and played a season last year which I really shouldn't have. I actually quit two or three years ago after taking my ACL in a game. So I thought it last me done. Obviously you got the itchy feet and boys actually asking me, come on, come back and play Friday night football. It'll be a laugh and everything else. But I think the most that last in the game was like 55 minutes before the good old hammies went. And yeah, it was more of a piss up rather than football. So it was a good laugh, but football is well and truly finished. Now the, the body's screaming at me every time I walk up the stairs, let alone put on football boots, so.
1: Yeah, so bring us up to speed then, Davey, with uh, what your football involvement and, and sport involvement is now. Uh, t- the wee man's into his football and, and both the kids are are keen golfers, so you're the chief caddy around the house.
2: If I'm honest, I try to push the wee fell away from football. For me... I just had that feeling that I was going to be one of those dads that would stand at the side and scream at his son for not playing the right pass or doing the right thing. So for me, I was like, please, just don't play football. And the more I said, don't play football, the more he wanted to play football. So lo and behold, um, I ended up being his coach and coaching his team the last couple of years. But he's actually gone on to... um, a better level now so luckily for me i can stop the coach and he's actually getting coached by a proper coach now rather than his dad and to stop me from shouting or telling him what to do on the pitch i actually take a video camera so i don't speak or do anything while i'm doing the recording so i record the games for all the other families so that's my involvement with him and um, like you said the the kids both play golf. My daughter plays to a pretty high standard now, so that takes up a lot of her time, and we do do a lot of traveling through that. So as long as she's happy or want to continue playing golf, we'll, we'll keep doing the competitions and enjoying that. So that's basically life now: yeah. is me pushing around a big pink golf bag when a golf course these days. So,
1: so finally, Davey, a clean sweep of high and wide medals. One of very few players to have achieved that: fifty-four goals in hundred and one appearances for and How would you reflect on your high and career overall? Wow,
2: tough question. I feel pretty proud of what I did in the Highland League. Um, like you say, I kind of won everything I could have won and played with some right good players and made some right good friends on the way. So I don't think you can really complain. And that's not even, that's not just players. That's players, coaches, people in the background, fans, everything. It's, the Highland League is like a right good family community. And for me, it's one of the best leagues in Scotland, believe it or not. Like Premier League is Premier League, but the Highland League for me is far better than your championship and first and second division it's just a real family feel to it and it's it's a great place to sort of play your football and meet new people and i I really enjoy my time in the league and have great memories
1: that's great davy thanks for taking the time to join us today
2: no worries my pleasure cheers
0: county podcast is brought to you in association with our digital partners zion energy click on zion.com to find out more